passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The kids are the future. This is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beer. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, RZ, WFAN original awesome big show we got today because we're going to be talking about this Knicks win over the Pacers in which the young players who were in the lineup some of them guys starting for the first time not the first time of the season but starting uh, once again in the lineup because of some injuries and some guys getting some rest days uh, had some monster games in uh, in uh, Indiana and they made history in Knicks win over the Pacers so we'll talk about that in just a bit we'll also uh, talk about a uh, very interesting commentary from Mark Cuban. The second time in a row we're talking about Mark Cuban on this podcast and the Knicks and Mavs, they, they seem to be kind of joint at the hip. You know, it, seems, it feels like they're almost like, you know, the Lannisters and, and, the, and the Starks, you know, in regards to like just how much we, we constantly go back and forth. And it seems like their, their histories are kind of intertwined together. So we'll talk about what Mark Cuban is now saying about how the Jalen Brunson negotiation went down or apparently didn't go down and why it was not his fault, but actually someone on Jalen Brunson's side of things as to why they were unable to re-sign Jalen Brunson. So we'll get to that as well. And we will also talk about it is official Knicks Cavs round one. That is the matchup that is set. Cavs are four Knicks are five. So there will not be any movement one way or another game. One will start in Cleveland. We do not know the day yet. We'll probably know that. Maybe by Sunday, if not Sunday, then once the plan situation uh, is, is wrapped up. But we should know um, definitely earliest by Sunday what the deal is with the Knicks and the playoffs in terms of when they play. But we know who they play and where they play. That will be the Cleveland Cavaliers. So all of that coming to you 
on Orange and Blue Bloods. Once again, my guy Tommy is with me. Tommy, how you feeling on this lovely Thursday afternoon slash evening that we're recording? I believe the children are the future. <laughs> Teach them well and let them score 30 points apiece. Um, crazy. 30 points. To, you know, it just – we've had so many storylines, like so many crazy ways the Knicks have won games this season. And the the first game, and that essentially doesn't mean anything, um, this this entire season, Knicks locked into four, can't go up uh, – locked into five, rather. Can't go up to four, can't go down to six. Um, you know, is what, do we are we going to have anything to talk about? Is it is it going to be interesting? Without their three leading scorers on the season – Three kids step up, three homegrown Knicks, all under the age of 25, each score 30 plus points. First time that 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 has happened um, in in four decades. So, uh, you know, I thought that was a really cool game, like really interesting, fun game. Um, Give pundits a lot to talk about uh, when when we wouldn't necessarily think we would. Um, So uh, let's get into it, EJ. Let's get into it. So, again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast. Odyssey WFA original It's a podcast you can get. Wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app, make sure you get the auto-download feature on your streaming service. Um, so you can make sure you get to see these episodes three times a week when we drop them. So this is our third one this week. We'll be back next week with a, a slew of new episodes as we lead up into the playoffs. It's exciting to even say that. I'm smiling even saying that because, like, wow, this podcast, thinking of where we started and what we're leading up to should be really awesome. So we got a week coming up next week. Uh, this is our last one this week, so make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service. Um, and also check us out on YouTube. You can find us both on the Odyssey Sports channel and the WFAN channel on YouTube. So you can catch the videos on WFAN Odyssey Sports YouTube. You can catch the audio wherever you get your podcasts, including, once again, the free Odyssey app. So let's begin talking about this big Knicks win. So the Knicks were shorthanded Wednesday night, but still put on a historic performance in Indiana. Knicks beat the Pacers. 138-129, thanks to big scoring nights from Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Obi Toppin. They became the first Knicks trio since 1979 to score 30 points each in the same game. Quickly led all scores with 39. Grimes poured in 36. Toppin had 31. So the Knicks will go over as much as 14 in the third quarter. This was a game that was kind of a seesaw battle. There were a couple of times when Knicks got double-digit lead, leads, including in the uh, third quarter. Indiana got back into the game, and it was tight into the fourth, about three-quarters of the way through. The Knicks had a big 7-0 run uh, when the game was tied at 120 to help put them ahead for good. Uh, Toppin had a pair of dunks. Grimes hit a huge three, and that was essentially curtains for the Indiana Pacers on this evening, where they also were playing with a lot of their younger players, a lot of their star guys out of this one. Mitchell Robinson, I think, kind of went under the radar. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, had a, also maybe one of his best games as a Nick. I mean, he had 14 points in this one, 16 rebounds, and seven blocks. So not only did you have the 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 lights out scoring from the young guns, Quick, QG, and Obi, but then Mitch also with a monster game as well. Uh, for the Pacers, it was Jalen Smith who led the team in scoring 18. Uh, uh, TJ McConnell had another good game. I think he had about 17 points. It was a very balanced attack for Indiana, but not enough to overcome the uh, the, the big time scoring that happened from the Knicks young guy. So Tommy, what does this performance tell you about this Knicks young court? Tells you a, a whole lot, EJ. I mean, listen, there was, you know, talk 
Um, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Donovan Mitchell over the next couple weeks as the in, in the lead up to the Knicks Cavs series. And one of the conversations, obviously, during that time, uh, uh, you know, dating back to September and the, the six weeks before the deal was actually consummated, sending him to Cleveland was what should the Knicks give up? And uh, a lot of, you know, national pundits and, and fans of other teams and even fans of some Knicks teams scoffed at the notion that there was anybody untouchable on the on the Knicks on the Knicks roster especially in regards to their young talent um yeah. as we know that wasn't necessarily the case because at different depending on the reporting um you follow at different junctures in the conversations essentially each of the players was included in some version of the trade be it OB uh RJ uh, RJ Barrett was kind of the one consistent you know due to you know his stature is kind of the more established player um but you know uh, it, specifically as it relates to OB Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly those three guys um you know were again were were basically viewed by many not all um, mm. as you know ancillary pieces in a deal not worthy to be included as uh, significant parts of a, of a, of a blockbuster trade for a superstar such as Donovan yep. Mitchell. Um, obviously nobody was equating them with Donovan Mitchell. Nobody predicted that they would be as good as Donovan Mitchell, even at the highest point of their career. Um, but could they be valuable contributors, you know, good players on a good team? Um, and seven months down the road, we have some answers here. I shouldn't say we have answers. We have a lot of data to bleed right. us to, what would uh, you know could lead you know what what many would believe um, as the starting point uh, of players that are developing and certainly uh, uh, have an upward trajectory that would you believe that they can establish themselves as not just rotation regulars uh, as good NBA players. We've talked a lot about IQ. Another game, another player where he was another game uh, and another instance of him being the best player on the floor. Um, you know, 39 points, nine assists, two turnovers. Um, granted, there wasn't, a, you know, this was a, a, a basically a G League Pacers team. We're not yep. going to read too much into it. Um, uh, but, you know, listen, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, and, and Quentin Grimes, who has been incredible these past seven games, um, averaging nearly 25 points, slashing 50, 40, uh, 90. I, I mean, just you can't ask for what much more than he's done playing at such a high level, attacking the basket, looks bigger, stronger than his opponents. That's And I tweeted about it during the game, and that's because that's what it kind of reminded me of. The Knicks backcourt specifically, they should have. They are superior players to the guys that that they that 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 Indiana put out on the floor, and that's not to take anything away from uh, Andrew Nebhardt, who's you know been one of the you know really promising rookies uh, from yep. his class. Great pick by the Pacers. He's he's a good player. Um, Matherin's a really good rookie. He's going to finish probably second um, or you know in, in the top three in, in rookie of the year voting. He'll be a first team All NBA guy. Um, you know, promising young player taking nothing away from those guys. They are not on the same level as Emmanuel Quickly and Quinn Grimes. To me, it reminded me of the JV practicing against the varsity. Um, mm. uh, you know, like the the, the the JV might have some really good kids up and coming that when the varsity leaves, high school is going to restock and, you know, they'll, they'll be. But they just look bigger, stronger, more confident. It just... They, you know, with swagger, they just felt like a different level of the different tier of player. Um, and I yeah. thought they manifested that, you know, right from the very start through the end of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, they said, OK, we're done playing around here. We're going to take over now. And, and that's what they did. Um, all that said, we've talked a lot about uh, uh, 
IQ and Grimes these past few weeks, these past few months, because of how well they played. To me, the guy I think we should spend some time talking about is Obi Toppin. Um, yep. I kind of focused on it in my newsletter today. Um, and my thought process was there's an alternative universe somewhere. I know you love your movies, EJ. Yeah, yep. love Marvel. the Marvel universe. Yep. DC, I, I, we're getting to turn it around with James Gunn. We'll see how that goes. And th- there's an alternate universe somewhere where uh, Obi Toppin is drafted by the Cavs. Um, mm. You know, uh, and instead of Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro has made 127 starts in his career. Obi Toppin has made 13. Um, there's there's uh, ten pl- uh, nine players in the 2020 draft left that have made over 100 starts. There's 19 players that have made at least 50 starts. Kenyon Martin Jr., more than 50. Uh, Pokaluski wow. over in OKC, 50, 67 or something like that. Yeah. Um, Theo Maladone, uh, uh, 59 or something. Wow. Again, Obi Toppin has made 13 starts in his career. Um, the right place, right time. Not the right place, not the right time. Knicks draft Obi. They don't know Julius Randle's going to uh, you know, emerge as a all-NBA second teamer. Uh, that, that first season, Obi, you know, Obi arrives in New York. Uh, playing for Tom Thibodeau, who's going to play his veteran, you know, 39 minutes a game every every night. Um, again, uh, even when Randall struggled, Tibbs doesn't take him out of the lineup last year. Um, until the end of the season, Obi gets a crack at starting some games, plays really well. Next season, Randall back on top. Again, another All-NBA campaign. Um, and and Obi's forced to sit in the sideline. Um, and then when he comes in and plays his 12 minutes, to stand in the corner. And we never really get the full essence. We never really see what Obi Toppin could become. Over his last eight starts, dating back to last season, um, Obi Toppin is averaging 25.2 points on 58% shooting, 4.5 rebounds, 3.2 assists, mm. 3.7 made three-pointers. That's eight games. Not a big sample size. Not our one or two game sample size. Do we have to take, you know, those numbers? Should we take with a grain of salt the fact that those numbers were played late in the year, last April and this April? Yeah, sure. Do those numbers also indicate that there's a player there with a remarkable skill set, a combination of size and athleticism? Yeah, we got to do that too. So um, fascinating to think about what Obi could have been somewhere else. Might he become somewhere else if the Knicks trade him this summer or if he leaves in free yeah. agency a year from now? Um, all those kind of fascinating things to talk about. Uh, but make no mistake, when Obi's been given the opportunity, the dude has played and played well. Um, so it's. Uh, I thought last night, you know, I, I will give everybody their flowers, um, but I thought yeah. it was important to point out that, that Obi really brought it last night. I know one thing, any team calling for Obi Toppin on a trade. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yep. Yesterday's price is not today's price. I mean, the only thing keeping Obi Toppin from being maybe a premier asset in any future trade is Julius Randle. I mean, and, and maybe Tom Thibodeau, I guess, maybe. Um, because you, you have the numbers there. When he starts, when he gets real minutes, he produces. And it's not that surprising if you think of the guy the Knicks thought they were getting when they drafted him. This was a guy that was a national player of the year. This was a guy that people thought was going to run through the NCAA tournament. And he came into the NBA as a guy. He said, wow, this guy is already an offensive juggernaut. And he comes into the league. He's going to be ready, made, ready to go. And it yeah, wasn't. He was, he, he was 22 when he came in. You know, he wasn't a 19-year-old. Right. older player. One exactly. Reasons that, yeah, that, that they thought he'd come in and make a big impact. Yeah. Like, I remember I did a segment on my uh, New Generation Sports Talk podcast with my brother, Kendall. 
Actually, I don't think it was that. I think it was a, a YouTube video. But we were talking about ready who who are college players that could play in the bubble at that time. And I think the f- number one guy we had was Obi Top. And we are like, this guy could play in the bubble right now. That's how good he is. That's how mature he is. So what you're seeing now in, what is this, not his third year in the NBA, is not surprising. I mean, this is kind of who he was supposed to be. And it's only because of Randall's ascension and Tibbs messing with the minutes, messing with the role is why you don't get this guy more often. I think what it tells me is, number one, what I've been saying for a long time is these are the good old days. Like the Knicks are in a position now with the young players they have and the assets they have around the team beyond just the young players and the stars, the picks as well. The Knicks are going to be a perennial winner. Like I, I, I and that, that that maybe that doesn't sound bold, but when you think of what the last twenty years have been, like that's pretty oh, bold no, no, to no. say. That's 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 bold. That's bold. yeah. But like to me, like this is like this is what you have. I mean, you lose your top three guys, arguably, definitely your top three scorers for sure. And you go into the game against the Pacers, that should be. And then what? It was a close game. It wasn't like they blew up the Pacers, right. but like that's a game where like all right, this is a pick them, and you know the Pacers really might be able to win this one. And not only do you win, but you win leaning on the three young guys going out there having basically career nights, almost all three of them IQ was one point off of his career high. Like that, that, that's, I'm not going to take a lot from the pacer game. I'm taking a lot from that performance individually from those guys and saying, those are premier young talented players. And as long as those guys are around, either the Knicks are going to get a lot of good players for those guys, or those guys are going to be contributing to Knicks winning basketball. So that is a very exciting thing. I think the second thing I take away from this is Toppin. I think Toppin is the story, even though I know QG scored more, I know IQ scored more. We know those guys are going to be around. They're not going anywhere unless there's some LeBron James wants to be traded, something like that. OB is interesting because you watch the way the Knicks play with him in the starting lineup and not Randall. And it's a different style of offense, and Randall's productive, so it's not like I'm not even going to say they're even more productive per se. But they are, I think, just as productive, and they seem way more free-flowing. They seem way more athletic. They get up and down the court. Like, Obi, they, I saw some great clips online. Shout out, I, I don't remember who did this one, but shout out to all the guys who do great job cutting clips on Twitter. Uh, like, Obi simply just, like, getting the ball and just swinging it quickly. How much that gets guys open looks because Randall will get in and hold it, and, and that that changes things. Like, if there's a world, you have an alternate world where Obi Toppin is on the paths. I'm still wondering about this alternate reality where Obi Toppin is still the starting point of power for the Knicks and Julius Randle is not here. Now, I don't know what you could get for Julius Randle for a trade. I'm not even suggesting yet that this is the option that they should go with. But you look at Toppin, you know he's going to be cheaper. You know he's younger. You don't have the whatever the temper thing you want to call Randle. I don't want to make it bigger than what it is, but it is something. You don't have any of that. And you have Randall on a relatively movable deal. Like, I wonder at what point do you seriously consider, hey, maybe we can get a lot more for trading Julius Randall. And maybe we pair Randall with RJ and we get like a superstar wing or, you know, trade just Randall and you get a star wing. Instead of trading RJ or maybe you combine them or trading Toppin in the deal that, you know, it's kind of like answer. You trade Toppin essentially to make room for maybe this Mavericks draft pick that's not going to be the stress for come off the bench. I think this is a serious question to have because every time Obi Toppin starts, he looks like a future star. Hey, that's what that's what it is. We can talk about when it's happening. We can talk about who it's against. But there's no denying that when he plays like this, 
he looks like a future star. And the idea that you're talking earlier in the year about should we trade him for Jared Vanderbilt in the first, like, like that stuff sounds crazy when I watch the way he plays uh, when he starts. And and then I think that's something that that's the takeaway for me is is what do the Knicks do at Power Four? I still don't know. The answer is still not definitive to me. It's a fair point. It's a fascinating topic of conversation. Um, the other thing is the reason, you know, he's talked about for, you know, Jared Vanderbilt and a pick is because yeah. when you see him play 12 minutes a night, he, there's, there's weeks where he, he doesn't make, yeah, he, he can't do this in playing 12 minutes. Yes. Yes. And, and so if he did this, could the Knicks win consistently? Uh, it's all those are, are questions that are unanswered, unfortunately. Um, you know, and you'd think, you know, the Knicks front office and coaching staff would have a better feel of it than than anybody else. So, you know, but but you know, when Randall's playing at an all NBA level, it's really difficult uh for him to give a minutes. Um, so it's it, it it there's there's just so much there. Um, but you know, is one hundred you're not doing your due diligence as a front office if you're not at least contemplating. What's the if the what's the net result? What's the greater net result? We trade Randall and we take a step backwards because as no matter how well Obi plays, I'd be shocked if he averages 24, 10 and five mm-hmm. um, and, and, yeah. and performs at, at an all NBA level. Obi's not a good rebounder yet. Yeah. Obi's not a good defender yet. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like you're taking Randall out of the lineup and putting in some stud, you know, versatile defender um, uh, in, in Obi Toppin. Uh, but, to, you know, from the, from, the sm- from the body of work we've seen, the games he started, the games where he's played significant minutes, his college, uh, you know, his senior year at college, um, every, all those things tell us um, that he could be a part of a very productive, high-functioning NBA offense. Um, you have to cover for him a little bit defensively. Anyway, so you, there's so that that's the conversation you have. We take a step backwards a little bit. You know, is it 15% less? Is it 30% less? Is it 3% less? Is it 45%? You take a step back with Obi, but then we add whatever we're bringing in return for Obi. Um, and this new roster, is that better than – Taking away Obi, losing the piece and the and the and the upward and the ceiling that that Obi presents, also an insurance policy, a breaking case of glass. But eventually, you're going to have to pay him, so you, you're going to lose that insurance policy at some point anyway. Um, you know, but you know, if you trade away Obi and you're essentially selling low, I think most people would agree um, somebody else is going to probably reap the rewards of him. You know, uh, of getting him at a discount. Um, these are fascinating questions. Um, that the front office would obviously not going to have it now, and they're not going to have it two yeah. weeks from now, and hopefully they don't have it another month from now because they're right. just yeah. in the second round. But at some point this summer, they really have to sit down and say, do we sell high on Julius Randle or do we sell low on Obi Toppin? And that's a fascinating discussion. And you know what really accelerates that conversation? As I've talked about, and you know, shout out to Brandon Tyranny. I was working on Teaching Tyranny earlier today. And he made a great point. I mean, Randall, you're talking about a a reevaluation of his ankle essentially right before the playoffs. Um, we don't know what that's going to turn out to be. The yep. reevaluation could be he needs another week. He needs another two weeks. Yep. Like, who's to say Randall doesn't play the first two games? Something I posted on Twitter. The Knicks don't go into Cleveland with Obi Toppin in the starting lineup. Obi lights it up. They steal a game in Cleveland. And you come back now 1-1, and now Randall's back in the lineup. Maybe they take two games in Cleveland. Maybe Randall doesn't play in New York. What if you sweep them or get in five games or beat them in five games and now you have Obi Toppin, who was the guy who was playing during this time? That's a scenario where 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think then the Knicks would seriously. I don't think this is like this has been a conundrum. I don't think the Knicks have taken very seriously. I don't think they've been serious about trading Obi Toppin. I don't think they've been serious at all about trading Randall at any point or even dealing with the issues he's had at, from time to time. I think that if that were to happen, and I think that it is on the table just because of Randall's health right now, that will now make that conversation real. And how they swing that, I don't know, but that would be the scenario where you say, okay, this thing that I think a lot of the fans think is a high priority, I think the Knicks would say, okay, now this is also a high priority for us. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and keep in mind that he that Obi was one of the few Knicks that played well in that Hawk series in the postseason yes. two yes, years he ago. Did. As a rookie, he the, the one game he played more than twelve minutes, he scored thirteen points. Um, you yep. know, and and the thing that you like about Obi is it's is a safe player in the respect that he's not you're not relying on him to take nineteen twenty three shots a night. He gets his points, you know, when where he can get them. Yes, he's developed a three pointer, which is something he didn't even have. You know, yeah. much to speak of coming into the league, you knew he could dunk. You knew he, you know, he, he led the nation in dunks uh, during his final season at Dayton. Um, you know, he's one of the league leaders, one of the uh, uh, leaders in NCAA points in the paint, um, yep. you know, while at Dayton. So this is a guy that really was a force, um, kind of as the focal point, as the hub of, of the Dayton offense. Now he's kind of an ancillary piece on the Knicks. He'll get at these buckets in transition and, and you know, get them off cuts. Um, that wasn't the case uh, with Dayton. So, um, yes, just to, just a, a really, really fascinating. The, 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 and, and as you know, the Randall injury really – um, makes it even that much more fascinating to see how the first couple games uh, of of the of the, uh, the the round one series against the Cavs play out. Let's say even if Randall comes back for game one, because yeah. you know he wants to rush back and avoid this conversation if possible. Um, he tweaks his ankle in in game one and isn't fully healthy. He comes back and they lose game one. He sits out game two and game three, and Obi plays well. There's just so many different things that could go on that 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 could really make this interesting. I know for. I don't know for a fact, but I would surmise that it would not surprise me. Randall saw that performance in Indiana and got right into that cold tub, got whatever treatment he needed that moment because he's like, uh, there's a guy here who, if I'm not out there, he could put up the offensive numbers I can put up. He may not be able to rebound or, or defend or when Randall wants to or, you know, dish out assists the way I do, but he could score the ball. Uh, yep. We've seen Obi oh, have big games last year. We saw him have a big one in Indiana. So that was great to see. Real quickly before we move on, you feel comfortable about Mitch getting back on track on this one? Like this was, I thought, uh, I think shout out to Tibbs because I think he was right when they asked him about the guy scoring 30. He said, I want to first talk about Mitchell Robinson. That was one of his best games. I agree with him. A hundred percent. The crazy thing is the Knicks had those three guys score 30 plus points. The best all around player in that game was, 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 was Mitchell Robinson. Yep. Second player in Knicks franchise history to grab more than 15 rebounds and block more than six shots in the same game. Uh, the other guy, as you, as you might've guessed is Patrick Ewing, um, who's, who, who did it four times, but um, Mitch was as active as I've seen him all season. Um, he just looked like a man possessed bully ball, yeah. taking shot, taking blocks away from guys, just catching it and passing it. Just had a look of disdain. Like, don't bring that in, you know, like, right. the, I'm, yeah. I'm different, dude. Like, uh, this is me right now. You know, he just 
played with a, an extreme confidence. Um, we talked about how he wasn't didn't look 100% after he banged his knee um, a couple weeks ago. He looked fully healthy. Um, and it, I honestly, I, I think it'd be a good idea to sit him these final two games. Let him, let him rest, put, put him in bubble wrap because we know he's, he's prone, he's injury prone. And just let him enter the postseason playing as confidently. Because again, circling back to that Atlanta series, Knicks didn't have that. Knicks didn't have, you know, a, a, a dominant interior Mitch Robinson, um, you know, d- during that Atlanta series. He, he, if he can play on par with Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley and kind of neutralize those guys a little bit, I mean, it's it's impossible to overstate his importance. If he can play like he did last night, and he and he's and and that wasn't the first time he's had those type of games no, and yeah. those specific skill set. But he had a lull in the middle of the year here where Hardenstein really kind of eclipsed him in terms of uh, production and importance from the center perspective. Um, but you know, back in December, January, he was playing at a very high level as well. Um, and we know the Knicks are going to score. Um, they actually b- jumped up ahead of uh, Denver last night in, in terms of offensive efficiency on the season. They're wow. not now top four in the NBA. Just a scotch behind the, the, the Celtics. I mean, who, who would have thought that that was going to be something you would have saw if you talked about that prior to the season? Like it's Unbelie- Unbelievable. Um, so we know they're going to score. Uh, the question is, can they defend um, at, at a really high level? And that's obviously what you're going to need to do against a, a high-powered Cleveland offense. Um, and the key to that back line, obviously, is Mitchell Robinson, who can cover all types of mistakes. Um, and even when you have elite defenders on the wing, um, if you're playing, uh, you know, uh, the trio of IQ, Grimes, uh, uh, and Hart, they're still you, when you're playing a guy as good as Donovan Mitchell um, with a really good point guard at his side and Darius Garland, there's going to be cracks in that in that perimeter. They're going to get to the basket. Um, so if you can have an elite shot-blocking presence and somebody who can rebound on both ends of the floor in a healthy, motivated uh, happy, you know, just that that Mitchell Robinson that really changes the, the the dynamic of the series. Mitchell Robinson will be crucial for the Knicks' chances in the postseason in a couple of weeks. So Knicks win uh, 138-129 over the Pacers, and let's talk about that playoff matchup because the first round for the Knicks is set. Nets lost on Tuesday. Knicks secured the five seed. The Cavs. Got locked into the four seed after the Sixers won on Tuesday. Joel Embiid had his maybe MVP moment uh, against the Celtics in that game. So then the Cavs were locked at four, meaning Knicks, Cavs will play each other in round one of the Eastern Conference playoffs with game one beginning in Cleveland. So these two teams, like I said, they're like the – oh, not this is actually not like the Lancers or Stark. These are This is a different kind of uh, comparing with two franchises that seem to be all connected – uh, they're not. So what are they? Maybe I'm trying to think of some other uh, the Boltons and someone else. Who knows? Rosencrantz uh, and Montagues. Little. Uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, you get some Romeo and Juliet in there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It feels like feels like these 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 franchises are attached to the hip, uh, especially since what happened over the summer where the Cavs swooped in to get Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz after months of speculation that the Knicks were close to making a deal for Donovan Mitchell. That of course did not happen. The Knicks won the regular season matchup three to one. Uh, New York won the last meeting over the Cavs on March 31st with Jalen Brunson dropping a career high 48 points in Cleveland. So we'll have, I don't know, 700 million ways to break down the series uh, next week when the season wraps up. Uh, but we'll have a, a shorter conversation and maybe a more focused conversation today. I want to begin with one question. Which team do you think has more pressure coming into round one? I think that both teams come in with I think a lot of pressure. I think both fan bases expecting them to win. That always kind of ratchets it up. Uh, But two, I think because of what happened this summer, 
it feels like the Cavs have to win because they made the move for the guy the Knicks were trying to get. So you think that that leaves you the, gives you the leg up. Meanwhile, I think for a lot of people following the Knicks, it's well the Knicks have to win because they can't have the embarrassment of the guy that they did not get being the difference and them being bounced out of the first round of the playoffs. So who do you think has more pressure coming into this series? First, let me apologize to my English teachers. The Montagues and the Capulets is Romeo and Juliet. Rosencrantz okay. and Guildenstern's Hamlet. So I, I, so gotcha. I, I okay. apologize for my. I heard uh, Montagues and I just assumed. Okay, I yes, can't be Romeo and Juliet. Me, and I just took you, took you totally at face value. <laughs> me too. So I know if somebody would have called me out on it. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, listen, I think it's on the Cavs. The Cavs went mm. all in. Um, they traded their first round picks. They put their pushed all their chips in the middle of the table um, to get Donovan uh, to get Donovan Mitchell because they wanted to be a legit title contender. Um, they have him under contract for two more years. This is not the end of the world if they they took a very good step forward. Um, Mitchell played at an All NBA level. Um, they advanced to the uh, uh, to the playoffs. They have a top four seed behind arguably the three best teams or three of the four best teams in the NBA in the East. So it wasn't like they you know the, they locked into the number four seed or uh, I don't want to say the Knicks were lucky to get the four seed uh, two years ago, but certainly didn't have the gravitas of the, of the four seed this season. They had the, you know, they, they had, and and it was a shortened season. They didn't play two games. A hundred percent. So the, the Cavs have to be very happy with how this season, the regular season turned out. Um, If you ask for them to sign up for the four seed, they, they probably would have done them, but they've liked the top Mm -hmm. seed or the top three seeds, of course. But um, given how everything, you know, adjusted to Donovan, adding Donovan Mitchell, they dealt with some injuries here and there. Um, They've, they've got to the end of the regular season as a four seed. Um, if they were to lose in the first round, that's a disappointing season for them. They, again, it's a disappointing season for Donovan Mitchell um, coming off on, on the heels of the extremely disappointing end to his Utah career. Um, we saw how that played out. Um, and to lose it to again to, to Jalen Brunson um, and his family and friends from New York, he, he wouldn't hear the end of it. Um, so I think there's more pressure on the Cavs. Um, I I Obviously, the Knicks greatly exceeded expectations, as much so as any team in the NBA, um, not named Sacramento Kings. I think this season you could argue um, that that they exceeded expectations to an extreme amount. Um, a lot, even Jalen Brunson stands um, are, are shocked at how well he's played and Randall yeah. bounce. Uh, we've talked about on the pod all yeah. the things that had to go well. Check, 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 check. Nearly every box got checked off. Um, Outside of potentially R.J. Barrett not not living up to to the to what fans had hoped he would um, develop the season, and even a down year, he's at 19 plus points a game. Um, that being said, the, I would say if the Knicks were playing, it's funny if the Knicks were the six seed and playing the Sixers or the seven seed and, and playing the Celtics, you'd almost say they're playing with house money to a right. certain extent. The fact that they're playing the Cavs, and even if they were the six seed or seven seed and playing the Cavs, who were two or three. Um, you know, there's the, the, the pressure gets amped up because of, you're going to hear Stephen A. Smith for the next two weeks say, right. I'll never set foot in the garden. And there's, <laughs> and there's, and there's, and there's, fun Oh no, to- what would we do if Stephen A. Smith didn't step foot <laughs> in the garden? And, but, and, and there's fun to be had there. Mm-hmm. Um, but make no mistake that is added pressure. You're playing against the guy you failed to get. Um, we mm-hmm. can argue whether that's a failure um, when three of the guys you didn't trade for each score 30 plus points <laughs> right. and you still have your draft capital and you can still sign down to Mitchell in two years and you could still use those draft picks and or some of those players whose value has now increased to get the next superstar um, that may be a little bit better suited to take your team to the next level of Donovan Mitchell. Is that a yep. failure? You didn't complete the trade. Um, all well and good. All conversations to be had. 
make no mistake, there will be a narrative attached to the Knicks. LOL Knicks, they got beat by the guy they they didn't have the stones to ante up for, and they get what they deserve, and now they're never going to be back in the playoffs because this is a, a, a tremendous setback they can't overcome. Um, I, I don't buy into that. You don't buy into that. Right. Um, but it'd be, uh, it, it would be dishonest to say that that narrative won't be out there and that the players aren't aware that they're playing Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I think – so I think narratively it is absolutely the Knicks because of all the things you just mentioned. I think there's a case to be made that even in reality, it's still the Knicks. And here's why I'll say that. Cleveland, I think a lot of people look at Cleveland as one of the teams that are next. One of the teams that in the next few, three, two, three years, they'll have a roster of younger players that have now grown up, developed um, to their full potential or close to their full potential. Evan Mobley looks like he's going to be an all-NBA guy very soon. We know Darius Garland was an all-star last season, still putting up great numbers this season. Jared Allen, one of the top premier bigs in, in, in the NBA, particularly defensively. And then you got Donovan Mitchell for at least two seasons. I think there's a feeling that even if they don't somehow do it this year, it would be surprising, I think, if you came into it. Wow, they, they got home field and didn't get out of the first round. That would be surprising to people. But um, the Eastern Conference was expected to be, especially towards the bottom half a lot tougher than it ended up being so I, I think i could see that result saying okay you're a year away let's see what happens next year i think the reason why i'll say the knicks have a little more pressure is because of those narratives but also i think the pressure then goes on leon Rose to say okay you now have to fix this roster and not to say that it's broken per se clearly it's not you, you they won 47 games they have a chance to win 49 games this season almost 50 so it's not a broken roster but i think if the fans go through what they went through in the Atlanta series or even something not as painful. Maybe it's a six game series loss. Maybe it's even seven. I think the, the, there'll be pressure to say, you have to do something. You cannot come into next season and say, we're just running it back with essentially the same core. Maybe that would be fine. Like to be honest, it wouldn't drive me crazy considering just how good these guys have played this season and how much we're continuing seeing them, continuing to see them improve. But I just don't think that it would be allowed. So I think that that's where the pressure comes in because now you have to do a move. You have to make something happen. Maybe James Dolan is saying, hey, you have to make something happen. Like we saw what happened last time. We didn't do anything. We brought back the same old guys from the previous season. We got you know our heads caved in in 2022. They're not going to allow it to happen again. So that's where the pressure comes in because then it's like, all right, well, you don't want to be forcing yourself to do something that ends up being – more detrimental than what a Donovan Mitchell trade would have been had you given up your three or four unprotected firsts and IQ and RJ and Toppin or Quentin Grimes or whatever that would have been. That's where I think that pressure comes in. I think the front office then feels it. They can't afford to have, I mean, they may not have a choice. They lose, they lose. But I think that if they have a bad showing in this first round, that would be a tough pill to swallow. I'll push back in this sense. Mm-hmm. If they get swept, you know, all bets off, then, you know, yeah. we have to reevaluate things. Assuming the series goes six games and they lose in game six at the Garden, that would sting. But, you know, immediately aftermath, we got to change things. Take a deep breath. Wait a week. We'll see. They lose in – it's close in the fourth quarter of game seven. Um, Two weeks after the season ends, Nick fans and everybody will will have a positive feeling about the season, I assume. Um, Obviously, if they win, that that changes things. But I would push back in this sense in terms of – Let's say the Knicks lose in five, which would be disappointing. Let's say they, they yeah. even if they lose in, let's say they lose in six. 
I think this season has bought Leon Rose a, a, a fair amount of equity and some time. I definitely um, agree with that. You know, and and you know the the question of whether to bring back Tibbs is not hanging over this team. Yeah, uh, sensible fans would recognize the 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 practicality and the good sense of of uh, I I shouldn't say all fans, but a I would argue a majority of fans would recognize that bringing back this core and giving them another crack at it, and then if we need to readjust at next season's deadline, makes some sense. Um, makes a lot of sense as opposed to I think most fans recognize that the 2021 team bringing that group back didn't make a lot of sense um, for reasons we've talked about Um, so I think that there would be I understand I totally understand what you're saying in terms of New York ownership pressure to uh, tweak the thing if it's not immediately perfect right now um, and allowing uh, good to be the enemy of great um, so, but I, I, I'm not sold on that, but I understand it. Let me just, the other thing I argument, I, I think could be made in terms of increased pressure on Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell has a player option for the final year of his contract. That's 2020, mm-hmm. uh, 25, 26. So yes, that's three years from now. They have him at least yeah. two more seasons. Um, but that, that is, I don't want to say it's hanging over their head, but if you trade the, uh, Laurie Marketing all-star. Uh, Colin Sexton, contributing yeah. player, and five draft picks, three unprotected first, and two swaps for a guy. And you, let's say, you only have him for three years, um, and now they lose in the first round. So now you ha- only have him for two more years. You know, you still owe a pick in twenty twenty nine, etc. That <laughs> yeah. that pending free agency is hanging over your over the, the head That's of the true. franchise. Um, uh, we know that that Mitchell didn't demand the trade, but you know, was he was he happy to move on from Utah? Certainly, it sounded like it. Yeah, it's it sounded like it. Um, let's say he, God forbid, you know, has a serious ankle injury in December right. of next season and misses two months, and they fall to the seven seed, and then they got to play the Bucks in round you know round one or the. Now you're a year away, and now you're thinking, um, okay. We're confident we're going to sign Donovan Mitchell. He tells us he loves it here, but we lost to the Knicks a year ago. And now, you know, so does he want to join New York? Does he want to go home? Should we trade him? That's, these are questions you at least have to ask yourself because yeah. if you lose him in, if you lose him in free agency, um, then your franchise is crippled. Um, you know, uh, I, I shouldn't say crippled. Again, they still have Garland and 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 Aaron. Right. That's and what Aaron, I was going to say. Yeah, and Mobley locked they have, up. A, they, have a, they have a landing spot, but yeah. they have a they have a nice little floor where it's where it's not devastating. They have enough good young players. Um, Pachuk, uh, you, you don't want to trade five first round picks for a guy and win one playoff series. Um, ask uh, you know ask the Nets how they view their Kyrie Irving <laughs> experience. That is true. You know, so I I just yeah. think. Um, uh, if they don't win it this year, if they if they lose in the first round, two of all teams, the Knicks, who everyone is going to be talking about, Donovan Mitchell, if he ever approaches free agency and he doesn't agree to an extension, the the cap raising, you know, the the new CBA where you can extend for one hundred forty percent of your previous number, maybe that increases the likelihood um, he foregoes. You know, maybe they lock him into a long term deal. Um, again, it, those are that's years down the line, but as we know. Nothing yeah. is promised. You know, a lot of teams, listen, ask OKC Thunder fans. They were convinced, ah, they lost in the first year. They made it to the finals, all the way to the finals, and they lost to the Heat. But listen, we're going to win like five titles. We got yeah. Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. <laughs> like, are yeah. you kidding me? 
Um, you know, so so we'll see. You know, is is Garland happy being the second guy? Is you know all these things factor into it. So if I'm a if I'm a Cavs fan, um, I want to get that first playoff series against the Knicks under my belt. Yeah, if there's any city franchise fan base that is accustomed or is not you know jaded to the idea that oh our star won't leave us <laughs> it is the yeah. cleveland cavaliers cleveland exactly. city the fan base there because of what they've dealt with with lebron james so i'll tell you what i cannot wait for this playoff series one thing i love about the playoffs not that i've lived through many playoff series unfortunately is that like you get to talk a lot about now a different team outside of just the knicks like the Cavs are a fun team to talk about like i i really enjoyed watching them play this year um i, I donovan mitchell has been amazing so it'll be great to pour into this team as well and to learn as much about this team in the next few weeks, see what, what adjustments they do to the Knicks in these playoffs, and, and let's see what happens. But I, I know we'll have plenty of awesome conversations just next week leading up to this series and then obviously once the series gets going. So Knicks-Cavs, that is the first-round matchup uh, for the Eastern Conference playoffs in round one. So uh, we're going to uh, shift gears here and wrap the show talking about um, the man we should be thanking for – Jalen Brunson becoming a New York Nick, and that is Rick Brunson. At least that's according to Mark Cuban, who is in defensive mode as questions around how the Mavericks went from being in the Western Conference Finals last season to fighting for the last playing spot this season. By the way, a playing spot that Nick fans should be hoping they get too, because we talked about that last episode about the draft pick. Um, right now, they're tied with OKC. If they could pass OKC to get back to 11. Anyway, um, he said Jalen Brun- uh, Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, is the reason that Jalen Brunson is no longer in Dallas, that he's a Nick. Speaking with reporters in Dallas um, earlier this week, I think it was Wednesday, uh, Cuban said negotiating with Brunson, quote, went south when Rick took over, when the parent took over, or parents took over. Cuban rejected the notion by Jalen and his father, something we've heard oftentimes by Rick Brunson, who was the uh, assistant for the Knicks, assistant coach, they both had said that they went to Dallas and said, hey, we'll sign for four years, $55 million last year. Cuban says that's not true. Um, he even was reading texts to the – it was. It sounded like a very weird gaggle. He was apparently reading texts between uh, his agent, or Jalen Brunson's agent, and the uh, and, and, and the Nico Harrison, the general manager of the Mavericks, where they were going back and forth about what Rick Brunson was demanding. Apparently, he said that – Jalen's going to get between 18 and $23 million next season. So he was trying to debunk the idea that he was willing to sign for four years, $55 million. He also says that he was never given an opportunity to actually offer Jalen Brunson a contract this summer. He says that the Mavs never got the offer from the Knicks in terms of what it was, or at least Jalen Brunson's team didn't tell him what the Knicks offer was. And that he says that had he known what the Knicks offer was, that he would have, quote, matched it in a heartbeat. So, Tommy, is it fair for Mark Cuban to blame Rick Brunson for losing Jalen Brunson? Uh, listen, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what the, the internal dialogue between the, the agent and the father and the player and the owner. Um, bottom line, they dropped the ball. Uh, listen, yep. there is there and in as bad a way. I mean, I, I, there's fumbling the bag and then there's fumbling the bag. I mean, these guys had Jalen Brunson in house for four years and, and couldn't keep him. Listen, forget about January. Why didn't they sign him to an extension the year prior, um, right. the summer before? Exactly. They had three years worth of, of, of data, three years worth of knowledge, locker room, and 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 if you, listen that. So again, did they wait? Rick Brunson and Jalen have both gone on record saying they were willing to sign 
a four-year, $55 million contract extension. Essentially, Cuban's got to call them liars to dispute that. Um, and apparently showed text messages. And, and I, I again, um, Brunson was a second year, was a, was a second round draft pick. He had never had life-changing money like that. His father was a journeyman point guard. Um, he had never had life-changing money like that. He was, dude was coaching high school a, a couple of years prior to, yeah. to, to the situation. So um, you put $55 million in front of somebody um, it's it, that, that, that hasn't made that type of money. It's going to be difficult to turn down. Um, you know, it makes sense. They, they, it was the same exact situation with Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, they held off on it right up until the deadline um, because they wanted to see if they could move him in a trade and, and contract-wise. The other thing working against that, uh, Cuban's uh, argument, is if you thought that you weren't going to be able to, or if, if flat out the Brunsons told you we're not signing that extension and, and we're going to hit become an unrestricted free agent four months from now. Um, and you know, there's, there's a guy in New York. That's, you know, the, the godfather that is very close ties. Um, and even before Rick got on the bench, I'm talking about Leon Rose's presence in New York. Yeah. It didn't, it, it, in other words, when Rick's signed to be an assistant coach under Tibbs, that wasn't the first time we had heard, Hey, maybe Jalen Brunson might sign with New York. This right. thing was in the works years uh, yeah. ahead of time. If you didn't think that you, if you were told that if they flat out told you we're not signing an extension, then you got to trade them at the deadline. Um, and, and again, recoup some assets for a player that's very valuable. Um, and it, again, the whole situation is weird. I don't know what happened, um, but uh, you know, Cuban has got to take you know he's got to take a hit here um, because we've seen um, the, the 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 Mavs where Knicks fans are all Mavs fans. Good, good win, by the way, on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, yes, shout out to Kyrie Irving. There exactly. you go, that a, that a boy. Way to come, way to come through, Kyrie. I don't know why these haters are always knocking you for your be a I know, free thinker, these, bro. Yeah, the peasants and the peons. Yeah, yeah. Show them these morons. They they need to like do like more incense <laughs> around the court. Like they don't they, they don't they don't understand what it's like to be a, a real player. Um, but, uh, yeah, listen, I, I'm where the Cavs are now, where the Knicks are now, it's an incredible storyline. So Cuban, the Mavs franchise, Nico Harrison, everybody deserves blame. Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, I was lucky enough to actually get, um, official word from the Dallas Maverick fans when they heard about, uh, Mark Cuban and, and Rick Brunson being the reason why Jalen Brunson, um, left here. Here is what, uh, some Dallas Maverick fans had to say. We do not care. <laughs> um, that was not a Dallas Marathon. That was my time. <laughs> but look, I I, I, I mean, I'm, I wish I would have got a, a small violin track to play under this because this was like, I, I this was embarrassing. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, like, yeah. like if you're a Dallas Marathon fan, like that was pathetic. I mean, he it was it was the dog ate my homework. It was well, it, well he told us he would sign, and then well the dad got involved, and, then they, and great job the reporters said, all right, well then why didn't you trade him? They're like, well, we thought we could change his mind. So wait a minute. How could you say you never had a chance to sign him and then say, well, we thought we could change his mind? Clearly, you thought you did have a chance to sign him. So which one isn't, Mark Cuban? So, I mean, this was embarrassing. This is a, a, a owner slash, you know, he's a he also works very tightly with the front office. He's not GM, but this is an owner who has, you know, built a championship roster. And to hear him groveling over someone's dad, it sounded like an AAU coach or a high school coach that you no know, lost his best player on some shady stuff. And he just blaming the parents. Like this is the NBA and Cuban really went into this bag. I mean, 
I felt like it was beneath him. I know he's someone that's not afraid to speak his mind or not afraid to sling shots, but I also thought it was a little classless because of Jalen and Rick have never, besides saying that they would have signed for the the, the less money, which makes Dallas look bad. They have not said anything bad about Dallas at all. They have not bad mouthed them in any way. I mean, Jalen Brunson's like, if you ask him anything that's not related to the Knicks winning that night, he gets very defensive. He doesn't like to talk about anything else. So that also kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it's like Jalen has not really done anything outside of that, just confirming what his dad said that, you know, I would have signed for the four, four years, 55 million to then have you come out and say that essentially he was a liar. Like to me, like if I was players on that team, if I was people who worked, you know, in terms of signing deals with marketing moving forward, I would look at this and kind of look sideways saying like, hey, like our negotiations now just open game for you to just talk about you know, how things didn't go well if they don't go right for your team. I mean, didn't this uh, this kind of thing happen also with DeAndre Jordan when he, you know, didn't get DeAndre Jordan that in the Clippers, he was saying, oh, they locked DeAndre Jordan in a in a, in a in a bathroom or something and they wouldn't let us get in there and it was Blake Griffin. Like, like I don't know why Mark Cuban goes to this bag to kind of, like, explain his failures in terms of building an NBA roster. But this ain't it, man. This This was, this was I thought, really low for him. That was it's a really good point on Brunson, especially too, because he follows brilliantly, follows the, the Derek Jeter school of, of dealing with the media, star New York athlete yep. dealing with the media. And Brunson's nowhere near the level of popularity that Jeter is, but um he says he says a lot that's that means absolutely nothing at all. Uh, yep. you know, we'll never give an opponent a, a good quote, we'll never give a beat writer, a juicy tidbit, you know, not behind the scenes on the record, nothing like he's just a bland, boring stud <laughs> point guard. And that's yeah. everything you could hope for. Um, if you're a real fan of a team um, is, is a guy that, that deals, answers all the questions and deals with the media professionally, but makes it really hard for them to do their job, their job being stir up controversy. And, you know, some, some members of the media to, to, to you know, generate interest. Um, so yes, for that point. And also the, the and, and on a related note, a lot of players not named Jalen Brunson would have had a lot to say and would have had a lot to tweet whether it's, yep. you know, innocuously or, or serendipity, you know, like there would have been a lot of eye emojis, you know, and, yeah. and pointing to the, the Mavs record or, um, you know, and the, the, Hey, like uh, what's going on. I, I haven't checked the, 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 the standings a little while Stuff <laughs> yeah, that right. could be interpreted as they let me go. And what yeah. happened? Um, a lot of players in the, put in the same position where they leave a team that had went to the Western conference finals and the team falls through the ceiling and they join a team that had been in the tank for two decades. And now they're, you know, playoff bound. Um, a lot of players would have had a lot to say. Brunson has never bad mouthed anyone in the organization. So, um, I, I thought that was, was odd timing and, and odd context to say at least one last thing on the map. Yeah. I'll say. I would have, you asked me a couple days ago or a week ago or the day they made the Kyrie Irving trade, I would have right. said the worst possible scenario is the Mavs miss the playoffs. Um, you know, just could you yeah. imagine the day I would have said that? No, 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 no. The Now I know the worst, worst possible scenario for the Mavericks is to just miss the playoffs with Kyrie having some great fourth quarters and saying we're going to do whatever it takes to sign yeah. him and signing Kyrie Irving to a four-year con or three-year <laughs> contract extension for yeah. Walmart, giving him anything, you know, again, because if you miss the playoffs, oh my God, that's a nightmare. But at least you learned your lesson in the short right, term. Right. Yeah. You let Kyrie walk. 
you use that cap space that you created in the deal to re, you know, to sign a different free agent or trade for a different point guard. You know, because now you're yeah. you know, thirty million dollars under the cap. You can absorb salary. You just give a lot. You, you know, the again, the worst thing that could possibly happen to the Mavericks is them fooling themselves that Kyrie Irving doesn't say anything or do anything stupid for seven for six days in a row and plays as he's capable of playing. And then and and now they are lured into signing him to a long summer extension. And now they have linked him to the hip of Luka Doncic for the next three plus years, which greatly increases the chances that Luka Doncic leaves Dallas in 2027 or whatever the first year he's eligible. Um, I I yeah. will if the if the Mavs do that, I I I, I what can I what can I say? They trade a floor, so I can't yeah. say it's impossible, but I right. would just be flabbergasted. I tell you what, I mean, you know, Cuban maybe again, this is not someone who plays it close to the vest. I mean, we saw what he talked about with Jalen Brunson. I mean, the way he was talking in this same press guy, well, he sounded like they're gonna sign Kyrie Irving. Now he didn't say how long or how many months how much money or how how many years, but like he said that they want to keep him. So and to Kyrie's credit, all of his teammates have said he's been great. There's been no problems. And I'm sure there's not because he's trying to get a contract. He doesn't want to be an issue. But, yeah, if they if they fall for the banana in the tailpipe, then, oh, oh my boy, goodness. That, that, that would be a disaster. Kyrie wasn't causing problems when the Nets went 19-1 and one or true. whatever it was. That's the uh, thing about him, right. For, for two months. And then he said, listen, give me all my money. And they said, well, wait a second. We're not quite. Okay, I, I'm out. You know, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. something's gonna happen. Come on, bro. You never put your eggs in the Kyrie Irving. No, but especially, I am especially when you have a yeah. generation of talent like Luka Doncic, yeah. like you have a guy, like you have the guy. Don't, don't, don't bring that in that that thing into the mix. Oh, anyway. Lastly, uh, it sounds like we just got word from uh, Rick Brunson, who is now commenting on uh, Mark Cuban's comments regarding him being the reason why Jalen Brunson left. Dallas. Let's listen to Rick Brunson. Shut that soft ass shit up. All that soft talking. I know you can do it, man. You got the, you got the. Man, shut that soft ass shit up. Shut that soft ass. That was uh, not Rick Brunson. Sorry, everybody. That was actually um, Adrian Broner. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure Rick Brunson. No, look at Rick Brunson played in the '90s. Rick Brunson played with the '90s Knicks. I'm pretty sure if you asked him off the record uh, what his response would be to Jay. Uh, Mark Cuban. I think that that would pretty much be his answer. <laughs> I'm almost certain. So, Jay, what, what um, Rick Brunson would do is he would point at the scoreboard, the scoreboard being the standings, and be yeah. like, how's, how, "How's my kids' team doing now, and how's your team doing?" Yeah, exactly. So, um, with that, I think that's a good place to close. So, that will do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, RTWFAN original. Tommy, let people know where they can find you at Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Again, this is uh, Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast. You can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop. Also, check us out on YouTube. Um, you can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel and the um, uh, WFAN channel as well. So, Odyssey Sports, WFAN, you can find our videos on there find our podcast audio version wherever you do your podcast including the free podcast app that will do it for now thank you guys so much for checking us out tommy i'm ej you guys peace